Welcome to WAPI Hour, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions, giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. So this morning, I'm at Nyack College in Nyack, New York, talking with Dr. Amy Davis Abdallah. I met Amy at a conference we both attended recently, and she gave me a copy of her book, which I found fascinating, and I thought that our audience would enjoy meeting and hearing from Amy. So Amy, thanks for talking with me this morning. My pleasure. It's good to be with you. So Amy, what is your position here at Nyack, and what courses are you teaching? Well, I am an associate professor of theology and Bible, and I have, in my tenure here, I'm just finishing my 16th year, I have taught a multitude of courses. (laughs) I started off as a generalist, but I teach theology and Bible, so our our students all come. I teach Old Testament, New Testament, Christian thought. Christian thought is my primary role right now in teaching theology courses, but I also teach Bible electives. Great. So, I also teach worship too. Forgot oh. that for a second. <laughs> I teach at the seminary. I teach a lot of stuff. Great. So you gave me a copy of your book, The Book of Womanhood. That book and the corresponding experience that you have created came out of the research and the work that you did for your dissertation. Can you tell us about that? Uh, what you studied? What did you write about and why? My PhD is from Drew University and I was in the liturgical studies program. And when I came to my comprehensive exams, I actually intended to write on a different topic. So I wrote a 45-page paper on this topic, and um, the topic itself was rejected. It just wasn't <laughs> going to work for me. So I remember in 2009, it was January, I'd just come, up, come back from an international experience, and my professor said, okay, go back and look at what you've thought through during your time here, and choose what you think what what still interests you. So look at all your papers and look at what interests you. And so I'd done a little bit of work on rites of passage for one of my classes, and I wasn't sure that they were going to approve it because it's ritual studies. Now it's a neighbor to liturgical studies, but it's but it's a neighbor. Mm-hmm. And yet then they approved it. So I studied, my, the title of my dissertation was um, Rites of Passage for Women in Evangelical Christianity or Theological and Ritual Analysis. So I looked at rituals, I looked at rites of passage, which still fascinate me. And I looked at certain rites of passage that were used in Christianity and then brought all of that together and said, okay, well, what does, what does this mean? Now it was a PhD dissertation. So there was one page of practical ideas in it. You know, I, I'm, I'm advising doctorate of ministry dissertations now, and they get to talk about practical stuff all the time, but this is all theoretical. So I remember this one page of practical ideas were, okay, how would we do a rite of passage? Um, what would that mean if we were to do it? My dissertation is dedicated to the women of Nyack College and to the not yet women in my family. I don't have any daughters. I have two sons. My sister has five daughters. And so like this is of interest to them. And I wanted to figure out how to empower women. And the reason that I'm interested in rites of passage is that I never had one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in how ritual can help us move forward. I'm interested in what it means to have women come together and empower other women. And uh, because I thought marriage was going to make me a woman. That didn't happen until I was 39. And I remember this experience, and I write about this in my book, when I was 29 years old and I was teaching my first college class. And I looked out at my students and I, and I looked at them and I felt such, like I felt like I was one of them, but I wasn't. 
And if I tried to be one of them, I knew that I was not going to succeed and it was not going to be good for either of us. So I needed to figure out what it was to be a Christian woman and how I could move forward. Because not being married in the small Christian communities where I was, I was treated like I was a college student. And people didn't quite know where to put me as a, as a single woman in a career moving forward in life um, because I didn't have a spouse and I didn't have a child. And so I needed to define what it was to be a woman for myself and move forward. So it was to answer some of my questions. Not all the theories answered my questions, but it was also for my college students because I watched so many of them leave NIAC and, and make decisions that clearly showed they didn't have a solid identity. Hmm. And I wanted to help them in that. Yeah. So what is the rite of passage experience that you are now offering to NIAC students? Can you tell us some of the specifics What's required of the participants? What are they involved in during the program? How it ends? And then, uh, and then maybe also how it corresponds to the book. Absolutely. We've been doing this since 2011. And what's great about having the friends that I have is I never would have had the guts to do it, even though it's what I wanted to do without them okay. saying, okay, Amy, we're going to start. Because I was like, let's put it off for a couple of years. They're like, we're going to start. I finished my dissertation, graduated in 2010. And our first group was, was um, we had um, just the spring semester of 2011. And so, so the rite of passage itself is based on a lot of what my research was. So I learned what made a ritual effective. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, these are people who are analyzing rituals and saying, hey, are these effective? So I said, why don't I take these principles and say, this is how we're going to make a ritual effective. Because at the end of the day, we all go from girlhood to womanhood, from, from boyhood to manhood. Some of us just don't know when that transition occurs. It occurs over a long period of time. But what makes, what makes a rite of passage effective is that you would pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like we all have these experiences in our lives where we increase our agency. But in this case, like... We, we might look back on it 10 years later and say, oh, wow, that's something great happened there. But you're paying attention to it and you're paying attention to it during that time. So that's one of the ritual principles on which I base this. It's also, you have this purpose of transformation. You want to have whoever's in this right go from a caterpillar to the butterfly. And then you also have this um, involvement and investment from the community. And so you'll hear all of these three things when I, when I talk about what this is. So we're about to start our registration process for next year's women. And this is not something for the faint of heart. Like you don't enter just to, just to do this. You've got to be able to invest time. You've got to be able to invest money or not be able to, you've got to choose Mm -hmm. to do this. And so, so the way that it starts, we have an informational meeting and then the students take an intake survey. So there's an intake and exit survey that, um, that helps measure what they think is important for Christian women in these four relationships with God, self, others, and creation, and whether the, and how it manifests itself in their actions and in their dispositions. So there's, they're kind of the, like the survey questions where it's like, this is important, this isn't important, this is what I do, this isn't what I do. And then there are like short answer questions. And then we can, we compare, I wrote an article after our first year that was published in a religious education journal that just compared their growth. Uh-huh. You always see significant growth. And sometimes it's surprising because what I've noticed about this program is there's so much more that's caught than what is taught. Right. So these women, they greatly increased in leadership and in all of these things. Well, we only had four different sessions with them and we didn't ta- teach them anything about leadership, but they watched three women lead. Mm-hmm. And so they caught this and so much more is caught than what is taught. So they start, they have an intake survey, then they have an intake interview where they were an alumna. So we have lots of give back. Alumni from 
woman, they are often around campus or they work for our institution. So they do an interview and that's just saying, hey, are you on a spiritual journey? Where are you on the spiritual journey? The intake survey has some questions about experiences in their lives, whether they've experienced any kind of abuse or have engaged in any kind of unhealthy behaviors. And we, so we assess whether we need to say, hey, you're going to have a mentor and we want you to go to counseling. So we want to help these women graduate in the healthiest manner possible. And so then there's an interview and then they, they have to choose a mentor. We, so there's this investment of our community. So many of the women on this community here at NIAC have been investing in women in so many different ways. And we have mentors, we have veteran mentors who've been doing it every year from the very beginning. And so the students, um, they have to choose a mentor. We have a list, but you'll notice in the book, it talks about in their habits for the journey that I encourage the women to have. And one of them is asking for help. So this is their first step in asking for help. And then they pay a fee. So all of this is done before they go home for the summer. Our roster is created and some of the expectations for them have, have been established. And so then during the year, we meet monthly with them. So I'll meet monthly with them, our, my leadership team and, um, we, we come together and we have tea, not because, not because I don't love tea. Like I prefer coffee, but tea is nice. We have like, we have this blueberry tea that we always drink and this chai tea that we always drink. They're delicious. And we eat chocolate and eat almonds, you know, not just the chocolate. And we just, we just get together and we talk. So basically they have assignments in between the meetings and it's, they're reading assignments. They're expected to meet every other week with their mentors. Uh, we have a mentor coordinator who's taking, who's making sure that that happens. So those are part of the different people on my leadership team. Also in between each meeting so that they can trust each other when we come together. Because sometimes we talk about intense uh-huh. ideas. Um, they are meeting with at least two other women from the group, maybe for dinner in the cafeteria or for coffee or whatever, trying to create these relationships. And we have an initiation ceremony in September, which has somewhat awkward ritual elements to it, but it's okay. And their mentors come to that and we have a sit down like dessert reception for that. And then we just, we meet monthly continuing after that. And then we have a crossing over ceremony, which I didn't realize I got that from a rite of passage that I had researched. There's a, it's called Daughters of Imani. It's an African-American rite of passage. I don't know how many people do it, but it's a curriculum that was put out by Abington, Abington Press. So I use that terminology. I didn't know it was from Girl Scouts. They use that in Girl Scouts because they actually cross over a bridge. I'm like, that's great. But this crossing over ceremony, when they do it, they present, it's a formal ceremony. They're dressed in gowns. My requirement is just that it be formal and that it be floor length. And some of them are sparkly and some of them are plain. (laughs) Not because I think in order to be a woman, you have to dress in gowns, but there are certain times where it's great to dress up. They have a 10 minute photo sitting with a professional photographer. Some of them are very intimidated by that, but a lot of that has to do with relationship with self. Are you comfortable in your own body? There's a reception following, but they invite people and they present what it means to be a Christian woman. And I wrote the book initially to go along with this because they needed to read something. I couldn't find a book that helped empower women and didn't give them boxes. So I feel like so often in the church, it's like, you need to be like this or you need to be like this. And I remember growing up, I was like, okay, but I'm not like that. 
okay, but I don't fit into that box. Is that the box God gives us? And, and what I find and what is so delightful to me with the women who read this and go through the book is that they're freed from the boxes, but they're trying to develop these relationships. And those relationships look different for all of us. And they feel like they can reach deep down into themselves and say, hey, this is who I am and become that person because they don't, they don't have these, um, these ideas that are forced upon them. Well, this is what a woman should be, or this is what a woman should do. Mm -hmm. And so, so the book was written to accompany it. What we do just, for example, we talk about relationship with self, when we talk about voice, then we talk about confidence. The purpose of our monthly meetings is to get together and just talk through these different ideas. And so we ask the question, has there ever been a time where you feel like your voice has been stolen from you or you have been suppressed? And they have the opportunity to, pr- to tell their story. And then we pray briefly for them. So, I mean, we talk about the silence breakers, this, who were the, women, were the people of the year for Time Magazine. We talk about breaking the silence. Sometimes it's, it's breaking the silence of abuse. Sometimes it's, it's breaking other kinds of silence. Like we practice using our voice. So everything that you read about in the book, yes, there's questions at the end of every chapter where you can use it in a small group. What I've found that we primarily do is we create a space to talk about everything. I mean, just this past Sunday was our um, relationship with others meeting and we're not always sure how the meetings are going to go. I have a plan, but it doesn't always happen the same way. And so as we came together, we ended up just having these long, this long conversation about sexuality. We talked a little bit about interdependence, but we talked more about that. And my team talked and the women, sometimes they want to talk and sometimes they just become silent, but they were all engaged in what was going on. And there were some questions that were asked. And one of the women on my team is engaged and she's about to be married. And then another of the women on my team, she's single and she has been single for a long period of time. And so we just talked about that. Questions they get asked about sexuality are so different from questions Mm -hmm. that ever would have been asked in my college career. But we go through and how do you deal with the questions? How do you deal Mm -hmm. with how how we're living out here? And so that's what what our what our meetings are like and I could talk about them forever but I know we have some other questions <laughs> sure and ideas to talk about sure so you've been offering this um program to women students for a number of years now can you give some general impressions of how students have experienced uh woman over the years and perhaps a story or two about its lasting effects since you've got some years now to look back in terms of uh, what has been the lasting effect in the lives of these women that have gone through the program that is a really great question i have seen a lot we we keep in contact we have a facebook alumni page and so sometimes that's more active than other times Some of the women have remained here around Naya College. What I primarily see is that there's a huge amount of give back. So those who are in the area will come back and they'll serve at the crossing over ceremony. They'll come back and they'll serve at the initiation ceremony. Most of my leadership team, I have four people on it. One is someone, I wanted someone who was outside of women to be part of the leadership team, but they're women who've been involved since they finished the program. They're always giving back. Our mentors are often women alumni. And so they're always giving back to the eight. So I can tell that they're, impressed with and changed by this program Mm -hmm. because they're like, I'm not going to stop. I want to stay here. We ask them to do interviews. This is all voluntary. No one receives anything for this right now. We're not a nonprofit organization organization yet. So they're always coming back. And so I can see that there is value and there's continuing value. In fact, one of the women who came back for initiation this last year, I was having a conversation with her afterwards and, and she just talked about how she just wants to do it again. When she was a senior in college, 
there was so much going on that she couldn't pay the attention to it that she really wanted mm-hmm. to. And she wants to have this group of women where she can grow. One of the areas that I hear so much about that women will say, I found my voice. Mm-hmm. This is where I found my voice. When the women come back for the initiation, and we have a bunch of alumni as well as mentors. Anyone who's gone through a woman has the opportunity to give their story when they felt like they became a woman. Their story of, of marching into this journey of womanhood. Because we do talk about it as a journey. None of us have arrived. Like the journey of womanhood lasts, lasts our whole lives. I mean, we're all right. moving forward at different times and we're all different places on this. And we just we just do it together. And so what the women will often say is that those who are alums have come and they'll, they'll say, this is where I found that I could just be myself. Hmm. And uh, I don't have to be what the what I've been told a woman must be, but I get to be myself. I mean, not that we're going against some of the general biblical ideas that talk about what it means to be human and talks talk about what it means to be male and female. Like, but what but we're talking about, like this is who God created me to be. Mm-hmm. I get to be that person. And then many will also talk about finding their voice. And I remember one's, one um, alumna in particular who has come back several different times and has been a mentor. I remember her saying distinctly, without woman, I would not be in the job where I am right now. Interesting. Because she said, I would not have had the confidence to move forward. Because she's in a significant leadership position. And she said, I would not be here. Yeah. Another, I, I put out on our alumna page and... I'm like, give me stories, give me stories. I've got an interview coming up this Thursday. And one of the women who's, she's serving in Palestine right now. And she said, woman gave me my voice. Voice is what I hear a lot of. I'm able to now use my voice. Whereas in the past, I would silence myself. I can use my voice and I'm moving forward. It helps me in my career. When I come to the table, as she talks about it in Lean In, like when I come to the table, I'm able to use my voice and I'm not silent when I'm, when I'm there at the table of, of this decision-making. There are a couple of women that I think about, one woman in particular who had been part of our leadership team, but but moved out of the area. I was mentoring her and she did woman because she knew she needed transformation, but wasn't sure she really wanted to. Um, She had these very dark colored glasses, which she hid behind. Not everyone has those glasses and hides behind, but she would hide behind them. She had long cardigans. She always wanted to hide her body and she always wanted to hide herself. She would come in here and she would sit in the chair that you're sitting in and she'd be in a closed position. The cardigan would be wrapped around her. Her legs would be crossed. Her arms would be crossed and I'd ask her questions, you know, and some questions like deep questions. And her favorite answer was, I don't know. And I would say, we can sit here as you think about it <laughs> and you come up with, with an answer to that question because we're not just going to go to, I don't know. Maybe you won't know till next week, but we're going to take some time. And she would just hide herself. She began to stop hiding herself. And then in the middle of it, she began to say, hey, I'm worth taking care of. Not because you need to move to contacts, but because those glasses were something she hid behind, she moved to contacts. Interesting. And then that spring when she needed to come up with a formal gown and do a presentation in front of a group, it was probably one of the most stressful times of her life because hmm. just finding a gown that fit her and made her feel good when she was someone who just wanted to hide herself all of right. the time was, was, was very challenging. And she went with a good friend of mine and an, another alum of the program. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't give me a picture of her gown until that, till that day. She was radiant. She looked so different. And then what this started for her was, was a process where she said, hey, I'm worth something. And I'm going to start taking care of my body. 
So she started eating differently. She started working out. And not only did she become radiant in, because it's not always about changing what your body looks like. It's about being healthy. Mm-hmm. So suddenly she became healthy and she's still on that journey. So like what woman does frequently is you just start this journey that continues. I tell stories in my book about a woman who, who would just always look down whenever she walked around campus. We talked about confidence. What does it mean to have confidence? How does she, because so many, so often those two to go together, um, using your voice and having confidence. And sometimes we don't have that because it's been taken away from us or we've had an experience. And sometimes we just don't have it because we've never explored and never taken risks and never sought to move forward. And so she would always look down, but when she wore a hat, she would be excited. Like that made her feel like she could be confident. And I'm like, but why can't you just be like that all the time, hat or no hat? And so she began to have confidence. And she, again, that crossing over ceremony, she literally looked different because she'd look you in the eye. Mm. And because she would, she had been so transformed. And I do tell her story in, in the book, so I don't want to tell all of it, but there was such beauty and freedom that other people noticed it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's great. Also, what you find is that um, because they have to do four interviews with other women, and so they have to interview women that they respect, and they just came back from doing that. So frequently, relationships that have been strained are changed because they sit down and talk to their mom or two. Like, I remember one, she talked to her sister-in-law. They had had the best relationship, but they sat down and talked about what it means to be a woman and their relationship was transformed. So there's so much transformation that happens, not just with the women and each woman has an individual story. And again, voice and confidence are some of the big areas. And so there's a huge amount of transformation. Those are just a couple of the stories. Well, and it, you mentioned the idea that it's a journey and that we're mm-hmm. always on a journey. It sounds to me like this program or experience that they're involved in is a way to help in a healthy and in multiple ways, right? Spiritually, physically, emotionally healthy, really start that journey. And down the line, they're really benefiting from a good, a good start, uh, starting well. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a huge part of it. It's like, we want you to start well and, and continue to figure out how to move forward. Well, we want you to have a good foundation as you're thinking about moving forward. Yeah. So you've mentioned this a little bit already, but just to reiterate in your book and then in the the woman program, you focus on four key relationships, uh, relationship with God, relationship with self, relationship with others and relationship with creation. From your observation, do you, have you found that there's one that women in particularly struggle with or were they, you know, you're getting pushed back as you're seeking to engage them uh, around those four different relationships. I'm curious um, if you've experienced that and, and why you think that might be. We don't really have that much pushback. I mean, when they get into this, <laughs> they kind of know what they're getting into to a certain extent. But I think the area where they have, where they want to, they end up developing the most. And it's not the longest area. I mean, in my book, the longest portion is relationship with others, but where they need the most development is relationship with themselves. Because, you know, in the church, we say love God, love others all the time, but we miss that loving ourselves and loving creation portion. So those two areas are the most unexplored Mm -hmm. for them. They don't always agree with what I write. I don't expect them to. 
but I'm offering them a new, a new perspective and I want to talk about it. Right. Because again, that's kind of the point. I create space for us to be able to talk about this. So there's not, there's not that much pushback. I mean, some of them, we talk about menstruation, we talk about relationship with yourself and some of them just don't even want to talk about menstruation. The more we figure out how to agree with our bodies, the better our lives will be. And to say, hey, during my mid-cycle, when I am most creative, that's when I'm going to go out and do everything. When I'm starting my cycle and I'm exhausted and feel really bad, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to enclose myself a little bit because that's what my body's telling me I need. And so often we're just like, go, do it hard. You can do everything and you can do it all at once. Well, we're just not good at that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just not. And men aren't either. Men have emotional, I mean, I tell them also that men have hormonal cycles, but their cycles are completely unpredictable. Whereas ours are predictable. We can figure out how to, how to, how to live with it. I mean, testosterone is really high in the morning and it becomes lesser later in the day. And when they watch sports, not all of them, it depends on who's into sports. Cause I don't think all men are into sports. I know several who aren't when they watch sports, then their testosterone goes up. So, so we have hormonal cycles and, and it's all about like this whole, how do you agree with your body? Yeah. And how do you move forward well with your body? So, so some of them don't like some of the stuff we talk about. And like I said, we we're talking about sexual intercourse this past week and not all of them are comfortable talking about that. And then masturbation. Masturbation is even less comfortable than sexual intercourse. But, but we talk about this and, and I think while they don't always agree, they're very interested and I'm, I'm giving them new ideas and that they're not going to necessarily read about everywhere and they've never talked about before. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I remember someone saying, um, hey, you say it's okay for a woman to ask a guy out, but Amy, I'm just not okay with that. I want to be pursued and this is how I want to be. And I'm like, okay, you can go with that. But at the end of the day, in long-term relationships, you pursue each other at different times, but you do what you want. So, <laughs> so there, are different, there are different perspectives yeah. and yeah. that's okay. Right. This concludes part one of our interview with Dr. Amy Davis Abdallah. We hope you'll return soon and enjoy listening to part two. You have been listening to WAPI Hour. WAP, Women in the Academy and Professions, is a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. Thanks for joining our conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback. To offer it or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.intervarsity.org.